What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Full Goal presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome into episode 322 of the Full Go Podcast. My name is Jason Goff, and of course, this thing is brought to you by The Ringer. Spotify, of course, is the gang. We are riding in a two-man situation tonight. A little two-man weave, the exceptional one, Kyle Williams and me, myself. Hey, listen now. Listen, listen, listen. If you are tuning in to hear me talk about your Chicago Bulls in a bad way, we got 62 more games for that to happen, but not tonight. Uh, Bulls Bucks at the United Center. You know, I was looking forward to this game for a couple of reasons. One, when we found out Zach Levine was out, it was like, okay, this is going to be the start of him dealing with his right foot issue and you know, I, I hate to question if anybody is hurt, but it's obviously curious that this is happening now, shortly after the trade rumors and all the other things that are swirling around him and his camp right now. Uh, and then you find out 
that DeMar DeRozan's dealing with a left ankle sprain that happened in the last game that isn't maybe healing the way that he would like it to heal. So you go into a game, and my favorite player on this team from the start of this season and, and halfway through last year, Kobe White, was going to be put on center stage. Kobe White grew up a perimeter score, the number one option on most of the teams he was on in high school. He's the all-time leading high school scorer in the state of North Carolina. North Carolina's put out some pretty damn good high school players. He's an all-time leading scorer in the state of North Carolina. He goes to Carolina, plays a little bit of point guard, then tells people in the draft that he's a point guard, gets drafted high in the first round by the Bulls, and then gets the point guard duties. And you know, It's a tough position to play for a young player, right? So the fact that Kobe has bounced back and forth from lead guard, point guard, shooting guard, I was looking forward to tonight because there's no Zach, there's no DeMar DeRozan, there's ample shots and ample opportunities for you. And Kobe White played himself, you know, he didn't shoot well, seven for 20, but he played himself a big game and he hit some big shots. And thank God, thank God that the Chicago Bulls played with effort. The only thing that anybody has been asking from them, we know people are talented. We know people are tough shot makers, but guess what? You're losing games because you haven't played with effort and the toughness and, and 50, 50 balls, all these things that, that we've been talking about, like this team doesn't have enough gravitational pull on defenses to solely rely on tough shot making. It doesn't have the, the swing swing. It doesn't have a, point guard who's a, a pick and roll maestro it doesn't have you know the these elite screeners who are rollers of, to the basket and can play above it like there aren't fantastical things that happen with this bulls offense outside of tough shot making so the fact that they ran into a milwaukee bucks team who let's face it milwaukee saw them and knew who wasn't playing and milwaukee played like that in the first half but when things got ratcheted up and they go on a 14-0 run at the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter it's all Bulls fans and all I have been asking for. I don't care if you lose. If you lose because you don't have enough talent, fine. But nobody should be outworking you. And tonight, the Bulls outworked the Milwaukee Bucks. They simply outworked them, top to bottom. They were, they were quicker to lose balls, their rotations. And this is the thing, too. People you know, were stopping me. But by the way, we were at the UC tonight. You know, we, we go to the UC probably once or twice a year now, uh, as opposed to when we were there pre-COVID, you know, 30 nights a, uh, a season. The UC, man, was buzzing. It was buzzing. It was a lot. There, I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Dame Lillard are in town. So you already know. There's a lot of people outside, and there was a lot of them things outside too, boy. They showed up, boy. Hey, you'd have thought this was a Lakers game the way they showed up out there, boy. I didn't know Dane brought them out like that, boy. I, it was, woo yeah. <laughs> yeah, you already know what I'm talking about. That thing was packed to the brim, overflowing with love in there. You know, just so happened to a, a young, cool, calm cat like myself got to walk around in my suit, say, say what's up to a few people, head nods, you know, a little couple daps, took a few pictures it was a good environment it was a fun environment i, I enjoyed the basketball game y'all y'all know what it is y'all listen to this pod you know i ain't asking for much anymore these winners are dreadful and these teams are bad during these dreadful ass winners right the bears the bulls the blackhawks like no no team right now is giving their fans a good feeling so for the bulls to pick this night to play what i deem their toughest and hardest game bravo 
If I'm going to shit on you every other night that you lose and talk about effort and talk about you giving, uh, you know, a, a full day's work, then I got to give you credit when you do it. Tory Craig, I thought, played himself a really, really fine ball game. Andre Drummond, you know, Andre Drummond, for everything that Andre Drummond isn't, you know, for, for you know, does he have post moves? Can he hit free throw? By the way, six or eight from the free throw line tonight. Right. Andre Drummond went to the line, knocked down free throws and all of them counted. All of them mattered. But this team played with a different spirit and a different soul tonight. And a lightweight is an indictment of the people who weren't there. They had 13 first half turnovers and not a one was I displeased with. You know why? Because all first half they were running up and down. It was aggressive mistakes. It was back picks and back cuts and, and backdoor passes. A couple of turnovers were backdoor passes to guys who usually aren't on the floor with each other. Right. So that chemistry and that understanding and not fooling, you know, the 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 the, the passer of the basketball where you were going to be and, and being on time like that had to get ironed out in the first half, but they played hard. They ran, they ran, they ran the basketball. Io DeSumo who hasn't gotten many minutes. And, and to me, it's been an interesting um, case study for young players in the NBA, like the young player experience. We either see guys flame out, get no time or boom, right? Like we think there's like three outcomes. This dude has kind of done all three. In two years, two and a half years as a bull, right? So to see him with, what, 14, 6, and 6 tonight, um, it was good to see him. Four steals, too. Four steals. That's right, Kyle. See him push the basketball. The, the, the final play that I thought was one of the more impactful plays of the game where you've got Alex Caruso. And by the way, Alex Caruso, I mean, what, what more can you say? Right? right now, you know, whose trade value is higher? Here's Zach Levine's because I, I would I would fashion a guess with Zach Levine's contract and now with this lingering right foot issue, like this is the thing too with the Zach thing. If you're a GM and you're looking around and you're like, oh, okay, Zach didn't play again tonight. Oh, okay, Zach didn't play a couple of nights ago. All right, he went two for seven and had, well, one for seven and had two points and then, took you know, they had to take him out the game. I would ask myself, and there's no shade to Zach, but I would ask myself, all right, are you just jaking it or are you damaged goods right before the trade deadline? Like, what's happening here? So Zach's going to have to get back on the court, and he will get back on the court, and it's not a guy that I question in terms of toughness. It's just it, the, it leaves open the room for interpretation because of what this season hasn't been and how this last week and a half or so is gone for him and gone for the, you know, the specter that is clutch sports and rich paul and pressing that button of okay it's time to get up out of here i've been saying the last few pods if he's ready to wear the black hat go ahead because it's going to be handed to you but for this team to go out there tonight without zach levine without demar Derozan, and play a tough like they played a tough game and it's okay like this team is going nowhere we all know it our tourist kind of show knows it Mark Eversley knows it. Hell, Michael Reinsdorf probably knows it. This team is about to get broken up. The, 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 the team is not going to look the same going forward after Christmas probably. So to see guys not only vie for minutes, because Julian Phillips was out there playing real minutes, right? Yeah, Javon Carter and Kobe White, a combination that I want to see more of, you know, because Kobe was able to roam off the ball and hit a few more shots and not have the the the, the ball handling and, and distribution responsibilities all on his plate. 
Like, and and then of course Nikola Vucevic. This was as active as we've seen Vooch all year long because he touched the ball. And when he touches the ball, he's a different defensive player. He's a different rebounder. And and I know people don't want to hear that. Oh, you should be a pro all the time. Well, guess what, man? It's ebbs and flows. It swings emotionally. It swings professionally. We do it in our everyday life. Why wouldn't it happen on a basketball court when there's millions at stake and public embarrassment is up for grabs? So to watch them perform the way they did, and the UC was rocking. The UC was buzzing. Like that felt like an important game, even though it was a five and 14 team going up against a championship contender just on another night in the NBA. So shout out to those dudes for playing hard, doing their jobs and then doing a little bit more. Alex Caruso with the big shot uh, to send it to overtime. Kobe white with a big three at the end of regulation and in overtime. I mean, they, they, they closed that thing out 11 to three while Dame Lillard and while Giannis Antetokounmpo were on the court. I thought they did a great job of not fouling Giannis. I thought they did a terrific job of defending him, to be honest with you. And the, you know, hey, man, Alice Caruso is a tough motherfucker, man. Like, I know I know he's got the, 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 the scrappy white guy look, right? He's got that kind of vibe to him, but he's a ball player. He's an absolute ball player. He's an athletic dude. He's a smart dude. And he's knocked down a, a couple of huge three-pointers so far this season, things that, that we weren't expecting of him last couple of years. So you know, all you got to do is keep him healthy enough to get him to the trade deadline so you can start this thing over. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 Moneyline bet wins. And as a proud representative of the casual betting brothers here on the Full Go Podcast, I got a three-game parlay for you. Three-team parlay. We got the Eagles at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Might be the game of the week. Not might be. It is the game of the week. The Eagles are plus two and a half at home against the 49ers and Brock Purdy. I'm going with that Eagles defense. I'm going with Jalen Hurts, who's been playing decent enough football to get him by. I think Jalen Hurts has himself a big game. And then we're taking it to Green Bay. The Kansas City Chiefs are minus six against Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. I think that number's way too low. I think Kansas City gets out of their offensive funk, puts up some points against that Green Bay Packers defense. I like the Kansas City Chiefs minus six. And the Detroit Lions are getting four and a half, traveling on the road to New Orleans. Jared Goff gave up the ball. Dan Campbell made some questionable coaching decisions. I think the Lions get back on track this week against the Derek Carr-led New Orleans Saints. I like the Lions minus four and a half. So once again, we got the Eagles plus two and a half against the 49ers. We got the Chiefs minus six against the Packers. And then we got the Lions minus four and a half against the New Orleans Saints. 
If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet. You got the live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and you can dive into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find the popular parlays if you want to put together a great one like I just did. And there's so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash FullGo. That's FanDuel.com slash F-U-L-L-G-O, and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. But to me, other than the game, you know, and, and we can live in the moment for the game, but other than the game, I was thinking about it riding around this morning and this afternoon just running errands. This season has been the 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 welcoming season for a lot of young players and a lot of teams in the NBA, right? The New Orleans Pelicans now are 10 and nine, but Zion Williamson, whenever he figures it out, he's going to be an MVP candidate. Whenever he can play a string of games where it's 65 of those joints or it's 20 in a row so we can see it back to back to back to back to back nights. And oh, by the way, the Bulls are playing Zion and the Pelicans on Saturday. You look at that Pelicans team. You look at the Minnesota Timberwolves who were coming into tonight were leading the Western Conference. You look at the Oklahoma City Thunder who, you know, they might be one of the two or three best teams in the West already, right? And then in the Eastern Conference, we've talked about Indiana and how Tyrese Halliburton, who I keep saying it, you know, that's the dude I wanted to draft in the Patrick Williams draft. That's the guy I wanted to put right next to Zach, take some of that off his plate. You, you guard the toughest dude. You, you distribute the rock, you knock down shots, and now he's become a super, well, he's become a star and, and, and trending on superstar. And that Indiana team runs up and down, went and got OB Toppin, got him a finisher, right? And, and on top of that, Rick Carlisle, who we've never known to be this kind of coach, is allowing dudes to just play ball, to just hoop. You look at Orlando, and, and, and I heard my man Bomani talking about it with, uh, uh, Trevon Edwards on his pod, but don't look now, but is Orlando the OKC of the East? Because with the Vooch trade and the things that they've added, you know, Franz Wagner, I don't know if anybody's watching, but Franz Wagner is looking like, you know, a patient Stojakovic with athleticism. Like, like this dude is six, nine, six foot 10 and doing what he's doing. Paolo Bancaro is the real deal. And Jalen Suggs is a tough son of a gun. Cole Anthony's coming off the bench. You know, Jamal Mosley might mess around and get coach of the year this year. So in this reveal year for the NBA, and and I love these kinds of seasons where we're like, okay, we we love watching LeBron. We love watching KD and the Suns. We love watching, well, used to love watching Steph and the Warriors before whatever this is that they rolling out there. But the 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 usual suspects are now being challenged in a way that we haven't seen in a while. Like, we've watched these guys be on decade-long runs of dominance. You come into your building, you're going to have to deal with me. And all of a sudden, slowly but surely, 
We're watching Anthony Edwards of the world muscle up with Jason Tatum, take the ball away from him. We're watching Anthony Edwards looking at Draymond Green saying, you ain't built like that. You're not going to do nothing out here to me. Like, we're watching these dudes do. We're watching Chet Holmgren put 25 on people effortlessly. We're watching Shea Gilgis-Alexander run around and put up MVP candidate type of numbers. The Orlando Magic aren't scared of anybody in the Eastern Conference and told you that last year even when they were losing. And all it says to me is the missed opportunity for the Chicago Bulls. Because if the Bulls would have kept this thing afloat and actually played up to their potential, and yeah, you know, people talked about the fit, and shout out to Ryan Russillo, right? Shout out to Ryan Russillo, who's probably going to get the last laugh on this thing about the fit of DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine on this team. But if the Bulls would have kept this ship steady and afloat, and played up to what we all thought was their potential, we'd be talking about the Bulls in these categories. Not not young teams that are revealing themselves, but teams that are like, hey, this ain't the old guard anymore. You know, I was looking forward to this Bulls team being the team that could take a Philadelphia or a Boston or, uh, you know, a Milwaukee Bucks team to seven games in the Eastern Conference semis or something of that nature. Like, I was looking forward to those kinds of matches. We've always had those teams. Like, I grew up a Dominique Wilkins fan. You know how cold those Atlanta Hawks teams were with Mookie Blaylock and Kevin Willis, right? And before that, Doc Rivers and them boys, and of course, Dominique. But they always ran up against Boston. They always ran up against the, the, the Bulls. They always ran up against those Eastern Conference teams. Where you're like, damn, y'all, y'all not there, but y'all, y'all cold. I was looking forward to the Bulls being that in this little, this little glob of okay, what's happening post LeBron in the league? It's been a a, um, a missed opportunity. They've blown their chance. And that's the part that I think sucks so much for Bulls fans like myself because there's no way in hell. I mean, we watching Patrick Williams tonight catching lives from Alice Caruso. Like, what has, what has been missing for so long with this team where the obvious hasn't been executed? There's no way in hell that the, the first alley-oop play, you know, off of a jump ball to start the game, last game, for Zach Levine was in game 19. How many times in the last three years have we seen Zach Levine playing above the rim via someone else, right? Catching lobs, doing things that, that athletes of his, of his stature should be able to do and should be forced to do. Like there's been so many missed opportunities, so many missed opportunities. And now as this thing devolves into whatever it's going to devolve into, because, you know, Christmas is around the corner trade deadline and and all those things are coming up this could be a situation where it could drag out until february or you could get it done before new year's eve the market is going to set the temperature for that but until it does i will be left wondering what could have been with this team especially especially as the the nba is in this navigation mode right now of trying to figure out who's what and also who to follow like there's a whole bunch of i got next out there and I think the Bulls had a chance to be one of those teams that maybe not an I got next team, but a team that's going to make it uncomfortable for people. You know, we, we those, and those, frankly, outside of the champions, and of course you want your team to be a championship team, but outside of the champions, those are the teams that entertain us the most, right? You go back to those, you know, those, those, um, those, uh, 
Those was it the grindhouse, the, the the grit and grind Grizzlies, right? Going up against Lob City, like you knew the Grizzlies weren't more talented, but you damn sure knew they were a tougher basketball team. And those series where Blake Griffin is going up against Zebo, right, and and Mark Gasol is going up against DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul is going up against Mike Conley, like you can have legendary series, you can have fulfilling moments, and and just fall short of championship contention because maybe you aren't built like that. But let me see what you got, and that's all we asked of Bulls teams. That's all, especially this iteration of the Bulls over the last three years with Lonzo Ball, post-Lonzo Ball. Just let me see what you got. Let me see you take a team to task every night in a five- or six-game series that you lose because maybe you're not there or maybe the team that you put together maybe doesn't have the highest of IQ or shots don't fall for whatever reasons. Injuries happen. I mean, hell, you saw Jason Tatum twist his ankle last year and officially end the run for the Celtics before the game had even you know been over, game seven. So that's all you ask. And in little moments, in little snapshots of the season, you could see, damn, man, you play hard and it's right there for you. You meet the game at the toughness uh, access point, right? Like the game, and I keep saying this, the game asks you how tough you want to play. And far too often over the last couple of years, the Bulls, eh, two and a half quarters, three quarters, you know, and then they take a little bit of a break. Next thing you know, they fight an uphill battle. If you're not hitting tough shots, your ass is out of there. Their tough shot makers were off the court tonight, and they had to go get offense. They had to go make shots. They had to go make their opportunities. So shout out to that team tonight for going as hard as they possibly could against a championship contender. Giannis Antetokounmpo only getting to the free throw line four times is a win. It's a win. It's a win. You know, holding Damian Lillard to what you held him to, that's a win. Now, that Milwaukee thing, when they put it together this year, I thought that they were going to have some issues, especially coming off the bench. I still think they're going to have some issues coming off the bench. Bobby Portis is one of my favorite players in the league, but do they have enough firepower off the bench? And, man, let me tell you all something. Chris Middleton looks done. Like, I, he's Chris Middleton is one of those dudes that you can't help but root for because he always seems like a cat that everybody should like that don't bother nobody. Like Chris Middleton seemed like the good neighbor that don't ask you too many questions, say what's up to you over the fence in the yard, right? Invite you over for the barbecue that you know you're never going to because, you know, if I can go in nobody's house to eat, you know, like, you know, hey, invite you over, courtesy, you know, that kind of vibe. And then, by the way, go win a championship and hit big shots in game six and game seven of the NBA finals. Like, that's what Chris Middleton has always seemed like, right? champion but boy that man came off the court at halftime with two of the biggest uh contraptions i've ever seen on a player's knees like it was like walking heating pads stuck to uh robocop playing basketball like it was it was wild it was wild and he's not moving the way that you you know you used to seeing him move so they're gonna have you know they're gonna have to pay the piper in uh in the postseason i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they how they handle everything, but yeah, shout out to the Bulls for playing hard. Shout out to them for doing their damn jobs because 
Lord knows the last couple of games, they've fallen short of that. So they get themselves a win. I get to put the bitching on hold for one pod and and uh, get to you know see the people at the UC. It was good to be a part of the energy. It was good to see. It was a packed house, obviously, because Giannis and, and Dame were in town. So it was good to be around it. And uh, it was good to see this team win because Lord knows uh, the wins in the month of November have been few and far between for all the winner tenants, whether it be the Bears, the Bulls, or those Blackhawks. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Coming up next here on the Full Goal Podcast, we talk quarterbacking. The man that does the rankings on TheRinger.com and also the man who draws the ire of lesser individuals in the media world. He is the one, the only, Stephen Ruiz. Steven Ruiz joining us here on the Full Go Podcast. <sighs> you know why you're here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know why. Same reason I'm always here. here. <laughs> yeah, right. Tell us <laughs> why we have no hope. Now, um, the Justin Fields thing, man. You know, camps have have uh, gone to their agenda-filled corners and now coming out swinging once again because he's playing football again. And the last couple of games, we've seen everything to love and some things that you shouldn't love about Justin Fields' game. We're 12 weeks into the third year of his career. Uh, all the things that are, are very present and um, ominous, in fact, in terms of the holding on to the ball and all these other things. I hear Cam Newton talk to my guy, Lawrence Holmes. I've heard him talk to the, to the local FM station on his I Am Iconic tour that he's on right now here in the city of Chicago. And he keeps mentioning something to the effect of Justin isn't all right. Like he has to take care of the ball. He has to be better, but it'd be a shame to waste a talent like this. And what I'll ask you, Stephen Ruiz is, is it already a fait accompli? And do quarterbacks who have this kind of talent but see this kind of difficulty bounce back? And if so, who are some of those examples? Uh, I don't think it's over for him. I think it, it, it's probably over for him in Chicago because they're going to end up with a top pick. And I, I think Justin Fields, I would agree with Cam Newton because like when you watch him play, the good plays are as good as any plays as you'll see. Like Those are Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert type plays. Lamar Jackson type plays the bad plays like the fumbles we see we've seen other great quarterbacks overcome that stuff Lamar Jackson couldn't stop fumbling when he first got into the league he still can't stop fumbling it doesn't matter because <laughs> he's so good Josh Allen, Kurt Warner Kurt Warner <laughs> is another one he had to put on the gloves to stop fumbling right. Josh Allen I think has all of this had all of the same problems that Justin Fields had early on in his first two years I think Josh Allen was on a competent team that built properly around him and he had good play calling. He had, he finally got Stefan Diggs. And I think that's when you saw the breakout. I think we're starting to see a similar kind of breakout with Justin Fields. There's still this, the same mistakes, but it's just on a smaller scale. Cause the bears aren't as well run as 
the Bills were. You get DJ Moore. He's not Stephon Diggs, but he's a decent wide receiver one. And I think you've seen that connection kind of be forged over, over this season. And even in these games where Justin Fields is making the, the game-losing mistakes, the fumbles, I mean, it didn't happen in Minnesota, but it could have very easily happened in Minnesota. I think like 90% of the games are good. It's figuring out that 10%. And last year, or the years before, I thought it was flipped. It was like 10% good, 90% shit. At mm-hmm. least it's flipped now and there's progress. And like like that last play, or that last throw, the one that set up the field goal basically against Minnesota, like how many quarterbacks can throw it like that? Yeah. How many people on yeah. earth can throw it like that, have ever been able to throw it like that, and can run like he runs? And I put it on, like, I put it on the play calling. I'm not going at Luke Getze and his play calling or anyone else who's called plays for him. I think if you can't get the most out of a talent like that, like a special talent like that, like you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. What is sustainable? Like if, if Steven Ruiz had the ear of Bears brass and they were like, you know what? Uh, we love this dude. And which they wouldn't say, but <laughs> you, we love this dude. We want to maximize his talents. When I, whenever I used to hear people say, oh, my God, this guy's really good in the hurry-up offense. Why don't they just do that? All? I'm like, oh, you can't run a hurry-up offense right. for four quarters, right? So what is sustainable enough for Justin Fields to also learn but make sure that the mistakes aren't so soul-crushing? Because I feel like this team and where it's at and the tenor of this thing and how we digest quarterbacks in this city, which is improperly, like we've never had a good relationship with a developing quarterback to understand the pitfalls and understand the, you know, the shortcomings and, you know, the things that he's going to see for the first, second, and third time that he may not fuck up on the fourth, fifth, and sixth time. Like, what... What would you, if we could probably go back to the beginning of this year, what would you put in a box and say, this is how you treat this specific being, and this is how you nurture this into becoming whatever it's supposed to be? Like, what what play-wise, or what tempo-wise, or max protect, or what would I don't you think do, that's. Man? I don't think it, there's an answer in X's and O's. I honestly don't. Like, And I'm going to take the scenic route to this answer, actually. Let's go. I, yeah. I've, I consider myself a progressive man. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I don't like think of, I don't, I'm not a talk. I don't, not a toxic masculinity dude. Like when I saw, that's how they introduce you when you walk in the bar, right, by right, the way, right. when hey, I saw hey, Mike, progressive Mc, man. when I saw Mike McDaniel <laughs> get hired, I was like, this is not going to work. It's not, he's mm. not going to be able to lead the locker room like this. The things he's saying, he's talking about like positive reinforcement. That, sh- that shit doesn't work. This is football. Grow up. <laughs> but look at Tua Tagovailoa right now. He fixed yeah. that guy. Like Tua Tagovailoa has no issues with throwing a ball into a tight window. He trusts that coach with his life because he knows that coach is going to take accountability for his mistakes. Whenever you see Tua throw an interception or have a bad game, Mike McDaniels after the game is like, it's my fault. Bad play calling. I set him up for failure. It was my fault. Hmm. And I think you have to instill that confidence. And like, I wasn't one of those people that overreacted to the comments earlier in the year when uh, Fields was talking about like, there's too much going on. You're telling me too much, whatever those comments were. But I think that kind of speaks to that issue. I think he's getting overcoached not only before the play, but probably after the play, like he's probably not getting that slack that Mike McDaniel affords to. And I think that's the problem. Cause like there are plays when, when he does just drop back and rip it, like he looks confident he's more accurate. And like all of the problems that you're, you're worried about with him go away. It's the throws he doesn't make, and you can kind of see him hesitate. You kind of see him think, ah, oh, if I throw a pick here, like, I might get benched, or there's going to be an article about me 
in the paper tomorrow about how they need to draft Caleb Williams. I think it's just that positive reinforcement. I don't know if it's possible for him to get it in Chicago at this point. And honestly, like it's hard for me to put the blame on anyone because Fields wasn't good when he first started playing. Uh, we've seen two front offices mess up this roster. We've seen multiple coaching staffs mess up this offense going that going back through the history of the, the franchise. So right. there's a lot of blame to be doled out, but I think the only way to fix it is like the power of positive thinking, which I can't believe I'm saying. Oh, look at that, huh? Steven Ruiz growing up right here in front of our very eyes. Not just a progressive man, but sounding <laughs> like a daddy right there. You better be careful this uh, holiday season, man. It's cuffing season. Nah, you better be we careful. don't need to speak that, that into existence. Right, I'm just saying, you you sounded like one right now. Positive reinforcement, speaking things into existence. Um, I, I was on Dominique Foxworth's show, and he, he we had a conversation, and he mentioned as a defender uh, – taking the multiple choice options because knowing that in the end of the test, there's going to be a long essay that you got to write and you got to get to the long essay question. Right. And he, he said that he doesn't feel that Justin Fields takes the, the easy multiple choice answers when they are, when they are ready. And then he said something else. He said that everything can't look like a fire drill. And, and your guy who watches all 22, your guy who understands route concepts and all those other things, what do you think Justin Fields is seeing as opposed to what his protection is or isn't? And also, you know, how important, because I, I, I can't harp on it enough. The fact that Cody Whitehair isn't out there as a veteran because he can't snap the football, even though you paid him because of his versatility at guard and center, you got a backup out there in Lucas Patrick with a young quarterback behind him who has no confidence at all, who's supposed to be the, the, you know, the brain of your offensive line and calling out slides and protections and all those other things. Like, I just don't know. The, the fire drill aspect of it, when you watch the All-22, are you seeing things that maybe is a happy feat? Is it, is it reassurance, like you said, that is needed? Is it, um, is it the, the, the fact that he thinks he, he can make every big play or there is a highlight waiting? Like, what are you seeing uh, in, in the, the, the post-injury or the second you know, time around? Because all these games are referendums on his right, future, yeah. not just here, but in the league. Uh, I, I think there is like the element where he seems to be more comfortable in the fire drill, the chaotic situations. But I think it's hard to separate that from the environment. Cause I think with their personnel deficiencies over his career so far, that affects play calling. Like you have to do extreme. You have to like push your play calling to the extremes. Like we're either going to be a team that gets rid of the ball quickly because we can't protect, or we're going to keep everyone in and do deep shots. We only have two receivers out because we're blocking everyone. Like when you do that and when you put a young quarterback into that, especially one who can lean on his athleticism to create, like I think that just invites those plays because it's either like someone's open deep or I have to scramble. Or if no one gets open quick, then I'm either taking a sack or I, I have to scramble. And there isn't really that mid-range game. And I don't think he was afforded that experience playing just on a normal team where he's not always down or there's not some adversity to overcome. There's not pressure in the pocket all the time. I think it really costs him some, some really vital development time. And I think he's trying to make up that ground right now as the roster. It's not good, but I think it's way better than it was a couple of years ago right. or last year. And I think that's one of the big issues. The full goal with Jason Goff. You know, offensive coordinators, you know, play calling you watch a lot of it um 
who would you love to see his talents be taken over by? Like, who would you, who, who would be perfect? Cause we, we talking about that here because it seems a fait accompli that he will, he will be moved for picks or, you know, everybody's talked about Seattle. People have talked about Atlanta. We've mentioned Atlanta here just because B. John Robinson, Justin Fields, fast guys in the backfield. It has to work. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, who, what play caller do you think he would best be suited for and finding out that, that untapped potential? I would say someone from the the like current Eagles coaching staff that's kind of spreading out across the league. Like we saw Shane Steichen, the offense coordinator last year. He went to Indy. Uh, Arizona is running a similar style of offense to them because they hired their defensive coordinator. And obviously Philly's still running that style of offense under Brian Johnson. But that style of offense, I think, I I, I don't think J- uh, Jalen Hurts and uh, Justin Fields' strengths are necessarily the same. But I think some of their weaknesses and their lim- limitations in the passing game are the same. And I think the Eagles do an mm-hmm. excellent job of working around Jalen Hurts' limitations. And they do that by leveraging his athleticism in the run game. And obviously having the best offensive line in the NFL and having two studs at receiver helps. And, it, and to your point, with your last question, having uh, Kelsey out there and having right. a center who can take some off of his plate before the snap, I think is a big deal. And I think it would really help Justin Fields like clear his mind. Cause I, that's what it seems like. And that's what he's hinting at with that comment earlier in the season is my mind's cluttered. Let's clear some of this out. Quarterback ranking stuff, man. You, this is what we come to you right. for here at the Ringer. We, <laughs> we, we know you. And I, I love your rankings. You know, even a couple of years ago when I was, you know, championing guys that have fallen flat on their face. Now, I still got Jared Goff, though. I still got Jared Goff. Um, Dak Prescott. You know, it, it, obviously, we're taping before his Thursday night performance. Uh, the the football that he's played over the last five or six games. What's the difference? Uh, I think they finally took the restrictor plates off the offense with them. And I, I, I was afraid that the opposite would happen with Mike McCarthy. Not that like Kellen Moore was running some like NASCAR offense. Like that's why a lot of people were excited about the chargers hiring Kellen Moore. And I was like, have they ever watched his offense? It's basically what the chargers were already doing. Instead of running their hitch routes at like Mm. eight yards, they run it at 10 yards. Whoa. Like it's too, like, I think what Mike McCarthy has done though. And it took a while. Cause at first, I don't know if you remember the 49ers game, but Chris Collinsworth kept talking about the Texas coast offense or some mm-hmm. crap. And they had like graphics and it was just the West coast offense, which is basically dink and dunk yards after the catch. That's what they were trying to do at first. And it didn't work. And like the 49ers just smothered it and stomped it out. And I think credit to Mike McCarthy. I didn't think he was going to adapt and change, but over the, since that game, they've been pushing the ball downfield. And the thing that I've always liked about Dak is that gunslinger mentality. Like he's going to throw the ball. Even when he's down 14 late, he's not going to protect his stat line. He's going to throw it into coverage if he has to, because it gives his team a better chance to win. But I think he's just working right now. I don't know if it's going to continue working because those tight window throws mm. can go either way. But if it does, he's my MVP. I don't know how you there can argue for anyone else. He's the best quarter. He's operating like the best quarterback in football, not only on film, but on the stat sheet. Yeah, it's kind of like when uh, when having balls pays off as opposed mm-hmm. to <laughs> when it turns into you being the first highlight on SportsCenter or the first highlight on NFL Network and being a pick six. Um, let's talk about the team that uh, gave the Bears their number one pick 
or what might be the number one pick, the Bryce Young situation, David Tepper. You know, everybody's everybody said everything they need to say about David Tepper, and shout out to Frank Reich and his people for getting all that information out there in terms of what of how he's uh, running that organization. But Bryce Young, I I gotta be honest with you, I wasn't a believer from the outset. I thought that, you know, all the things that said, are said about Justin Fields, oh, yeah, five-star wide receivers and five-star offensive line. I'm like, which fucking quarterback that you really give a <laughs> shit about in the draft doesn't have those dudes, right? And then you look at Bryce Young, you're like, all right, all those numbers, the Heisman, but he's so tiny. And, and I know Kyler Murray and Drew, everybody thinks that Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, those guys, those dudes are athletic freaks, by the way. And or they have large, exp- uh, what is it, uh, uh, appendages. They, they, yeah, they got hands. big ass hands and big ass feet. Like they're, <laughs> they're oddballs in that way. Bryce Young looks like a dude who works at Best Buy. And, and for whatever reason right now. And he needs the pole to get the stuff down high off the shelf. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Right, exactly, right. Uh, or, that, or that weird step ladder that, you know, that somebody's he always. He doesn't work in apply, like apply, heavy appliances and TVs. He works no, in like no, the, no. the iPods, the, the iPhones. The phones. He's telling you the phones. They look bigger in his hand. <laughs> he's giving you that two-year, you know, uh, protection plan as well. He's, he's upcharging you for that joint. Sorry, Bryce, if you're listening to this. But um, is there any hope for that thing? Like, how do how do they salvage a one in eleven start? No, by the way, we really didn't want your ass. Like, how do, how does that work? I. No, because I was with you. I'm a progressive man. Nah, I'm not going to say that again. But like, <laughs> right, the, right. the small thing, like that was enough for, for me. And I know that sounds like a dumb guy take, right? And I feel like like Jamarcus Russell and like those guys that were like busted that were like just like all talent, big guys. And that's why they got drafted. I think they ruined it for like everyone else. Because like Josh Allen wouldn't hear, be hearing the shit he heard pre-draft or Jamarcus Russell didn't do what he did. Mm. And I think we kind of overcorrected. And that's how Baker Mayfield, the two-time walk-on, gets drafted first overall. And that's how <laughs> that's how Bryce Young, who, like you said, like that's the main difference. And that's like the separator between him and Kyler Murray, which I think is like the point of comparison I would use if I was advocating for drafting him. Is like Kyler Murray has kind of worked out. Kyler, like you said, Kyler Murray can throw the ball like 70 yards. Yeah. And he, he runs a four-two. And he runs a four-two. <laughs> and Bryce Young has none of that. I like my issue with Bryce Young, we talked about Justin Fields having something you could build an offense around. <laughs> what can you build an offense around with Bryce Young? You can't build an offense around 5'8". can't build an offense around 198 pounds. You can't build an offense against a mid-arm. Like, I, I don't know. What do you do? You can't even, like, put him under center, really, because, like, small guys, they're not comfortable under center. They like to be in the gun so mm. they can see the field. So you can't even really run the play-action Kyle Shanahan-type offense either. I don't know what the offense is. I uh it's bad is what it is and and it's going to continue to be bad uh, it's, it's crazy hey we drafted you and this is your offensive infrastructure and they, oh by the way they're all fired now so <laughs> so the, so the people that you haven't been working with and the people you haven't really been talking to and supposed to be trusting those are the people you have to work with now and are supposed to be trusting as we let you go here Tom Brady's remarks about what the game is and, you know, he's speaking about quarterbacks. That's, that was pretty much Tom Brady stunting on everybody. Like, why the fuck isn't everybody as dope as I am? This right, league yeah. is a lot, a lot easier to play in. And it's like, hey, Tom, we, we saw you play in the easy league as well as the league that you speak of. But um, quarterback play, man. 
for a long time, college football to me was cool. You know, in the night, it was obviously awesome, but it was cool to extent for me because the quarterback didn't decide mm-hmm. enough for me. Like you could have, and shout out to Chris Leak, but you can have a Chris Leak out there at, at Florida before Tim Tebow came and you win 10 games, right? The quarterback play in the NFL now, I'm looking at this MVP conversation with Dak, like you mentioned, and Jalen Hurts and all these, and Josh Allen. But then you look at some of these teams where, how the fuck is Cleveland seven and four? Like how 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 are some of these teams in this league where that's supposed to be the most important position? How how is quarterback play um, changed? And is it is has the value been heightened because of how bad it might be right now? Or is it the overall style of the game? Like what's happening right now? Where you know you could look at that position and be like, all right, we could hold out a little bit and win some games. Whereas before, I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, I think it's like a, a meshing or like a coming together of the college and pro game that we've kind of seen with like the RPO stuff. But I think like on a grander yeah. scale and something that's like harder to notice because we're not in it. I was uh, I wrote an article about like offensive coordinators a, a week ago and I talked to Colt McCoy for it just because he had he had played under a bunch of like the who's who's of offensive coordinators. And he was telling me when he first got in the league, it was all like you would go to the line you would call hike, you would be pure progression, like one to two to three to four and like no adjustments at the line or anything. And he was like, I would drop back and no one would ever be open. Like no one would be open. There's nowhere to go with the ball. I, I, I was thinking in my head, I was like, well, there was no one open for you, but I'm sure like Tom Brady was finding people open. Peyton Manning was finding people open. Uh, but then he said like, what really changed was like the Shanahan guys taking over and what they would do is provide you. They were like the two play calls in the huddle. We're going to give you the right look. We're going to tell you exactly what look to be in. So I think they started doing the mental work for the quarterback, which is kind of what happens in college. Like when they go to the line, they look at the sideline, get the play call, they change the play call, and then they they run the play. I think we're getting some of that in a different way in the pro game. So for me, it's not like quarterback play has gotten worse at the top. I think it's just Mm. easier to get by with a worse quarterback at the bottom, if that makes sense. Like I think Colt McCoy now would be a more viable quarterback than when they would be like, all right, Colt, find an open guy. We're not going to help you out. Right. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Steven Ruiz, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I look forward to the next time that you are trending, especially if it's uh, opposed to people who I just don't give a shit about uh, like the last time. So thank you, man. And and always know that you will have somebody to put a battery in your back if you ever want to get some shit kicked off. Okay? I appreciate just, just that. Know, I appreciate you, you, that. Got, you got support here in Chicago, baby. I appreciate thank you. that. Steven Ruiz right here on the Full Go Podcast. It's Chicago in the house. Let me hear you say yeah. Yo, you listening to the Full Go podcast with my man Jason Golf. It's your boy Dave Jeff. Holla at y'all. Much love. That's all the time we have for episode 322 of the Full Go podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to our guest, Stephen Ruiz. You can uh, check out all his work on TheRinger.com. He is... Uh, one of the better writers in the business. I know quarterbacks that read his stuff about themselves uh, and y'all do too. They just don't mention it, but shout out to Steven. Thank you so much for joining us, man. We always appreciate his time. I want to say thank you to our production staff. As always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the exceptional one, Kyle Williams, paternity poppy, our guy, Tony Gill, who will be back with us in a couple of pods. So looking forward to the return of the man, Tony Gill, see how uh, fatherhood is treating him. 
talk to him about uh, the delivery and all those other great things that all the young people out there, I'm sure, don't want to hear. And, of course, the Chief Vibes Officer himself, Chris Sutton. We see you out here, Chris. Man, hopefully everything is good, man. We'll talk to you soon. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you so much for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to it, following us on the socials, giving us the five stars, rating us and reviewing us, by the way. You got to rate and review us, comment, do all those things that I never do on other people's pods. Rate, review us, comment, uh, talk crazy about us. You know, start a Reddit thread. Say something about my mama. Uh, call, you know, call my family crazy names. Do whatever you need to do. Talk about the pod. Share it with your family and friends. Give us the five stars that you know we need. If not, we will see you in the streets. Looking forward to talking to y'all on Sunday. We got no Bears football, okay? So we're going to do a, a blast around the NFL, maybe pop in uh, an NFL guest. We might have a musical guest. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But we'll talk to y'all on Sunday. Until then, we leave you with this. As always, take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay sucker free. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in it in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 100 100- Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y in New York.